unique ways with Thomas Gerard emerges with people from all walks of life who through their own unique angle succeed and flourish. Enjoy the ride and welcome to Unique Ways, an audio podcast. Hey, hey everyone, welcome to Unique Ways with Thomas Gerard, an audio podcast. Got a really great guest on today. Um, her work is founded on the belief that creative opportunities are everywhere. She specializes in creating a captivating look and feel to help organizations stand out and connect with their audiences. Her approach is to designing resonant campaigns, identities, and communication materials involving targeted research, collaboration, and problem solving. And she brings dynamic energy, experience, and abundance of thoughtful ideas to the design process. Please join me in welcoming Flora Gordon. Welcome. Thanks so much, Thomas. My pleasure. Are you ready for 20 questions? I am. Okay, here we go. Number one, tell me a little bit more about yourself. What do you do? So I'm a creative director uh, based in East Vancouver, traditional territories of Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, and Musqueam people. The biggest theme in my process is feeling and anticipating the needs of my target audiences. So I sometimes refer to myself as a ghost designer, among other titles. Think ghost writer, uh, because I'm often called in by agencies who want a sort of secret weapon. Uh, mostly for identity design, typography, strategy, and information design. I'm also a certified design professional, which is actually a designation that we share, Thomas, uh, through Design Professionals of Canada, which was formerly Graphic Designers of Canada, and that's our version of the AIGA. Um, I'm also a course author and facilitator at Simon Fraser University Continuing Studies, teaching design for accessibility, uh, which we also call plain graphics and design, and other courses on publishing and technical publishing. Uh, so Thomas, we almost met a few times. We were both in communication design at Emily Carr at the same time, in the same year, but we didn't have any projects together. We also both teach at Simon Fraser University and are active with Design Professionals of Canada, but we didn't really get together until we, we met up socially recently. So it's it's kind of cool. Maybe this is the exact right time for us to meet. Great. And, yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, please. Oh, thank you. A little content warning. I'm going to use the full range of the English language here. And uh, and we've also talked about rearranging one question. Great. Um, yeah, just just to, to re-clarify that. So yeah, uh, Flora and I met in art school uh, 20 years ago now, um, and we didn't know each other there and just recently kind of reconnected and found all this overlap. So it's been uh, it's been super, super great. Um, yeah. Um, so question two, is that right? Yeah. So I think we're going to question 13. Is that okay? okay? Right. Yeah. Yes. So we're, uh, Flora's uh, requested to jumble the order a bit here. So we're going to 13. What's your favorite word, quote, or sentence? Yeah, and I moved this around because it would allow me to establish a theme for my whole episode. So I'm going to read a, a passage by Lizzo, a song called About Damn Time. Anyway, it's bad bitch o'clock. Yeah, it's thick 30. I've been through a lot, but I'm still flirty. Is everybody back in the building? It's been a minute. Tell me how you healing. Because I'm about to get into my feelings, how you feeling, how you feel right now. Uh, the meaning behind this is that rather than spend most of the time promoting myself uh, or sharing infinite wisdom, I'm actually going to use 
most of this episode to bring attention to mental health challenges and invisible disabilities. I've crafted these responses to be in service to my perceived audience. So just wanna check in with those listening. Uh, do we have any design students listening who are struggling right now? Uh, we've got working designers feeling super stressed and alone. Are you under tremendous pressure at your agency or are you an in-house designer who feels terribly misunderstood, perhaps underappreciated and overworked? Maybe you're a creative entrepreneur who identifies as sensitive and in turn, you're constantly worrying about whatever you're working on. This interview's for you. I hope you find a moment of respite, comfort, or even some humor in some of my words. I see you, you're not alone, and I'm only good at handling these challenges because I've struggled for so long. I also need to remind myself and everybody that the information I'm sharing is not professional legal, legal advice. I'm not a lawyer. It's also not professional medical advice. So if you need uh, help choosing the perfect type typeface, I'm your girl, but leave the therapy to the experts. Awesome. Um, you know, I love Lizzo and uh, I love that you're bringing forth issues in this podcast. I think it's a great way to uh, to use this time. Um, so now we're going to move into question two. Am I right? Yeah, that's so it. Thanks. Question two is what's a key piece of knowledge that makes you different? Yeah, I've got two quick key pieces. First, I was born with a rare neurological disorder. It causes and exacerbates other mental health issues such as anxiety, depression, and even epilepsy. Uh, there are areas where I have to work so hard to get something done and some areas that are just a breeze because I've gained so much strength and fearlessness, uh, fearlessness from my past efforts. And I now know what I need to take care of myself. Um, my second key piece of knowledge is that I use empathic and intuitive skills, work with psychics, and I spend a lot of time feeling, I guess, feeling on behalf of my target audiences. So I'll expand on that later. Awesome. And now question three, why this of all things? Why do you do what you do? Yeah, at the end of high school and at the end of university, I had major and long lasting depressive episodes. I was just convinced that I would never get anywhere in my life. I was wearing sunglasses because I was crying constantly and I was pretty terrible to be around. I'm so fortunate to have my friends and family uh, who are there for me and things have really turned out for me in my life, but I also need to give constant effort uh, to my self-care to keep myself healthy and productive. It's really well documented that persons living with both invisible and visible barriers face a lot of challenges entering and staying employed in the workforce, uh, facing stigma, battling misinformation, and just a lack of support. Uh, these lack of supports include organizations with no disability management or return to work plan, uh, and even those without accessible office spaces and infrastructure. So I like to think that accessibility is an area where designers can make an immediate difference for a huge number of people. Uh, I always performed really well academically, but I couldn't figure out why, you know, it's like reading the big long history textbook was what seemed, seemed impossible. And then I found out that I was an auditory learner. And that's something that has motivated me to make my designs as clear 
and accessible as possible. Um, yeah, so I I really I actually did a talk where I where I came out and said, hey, like reading, uh, you know, really thick textbooks and things like that, super hard for me, and I've organized my design process around making, uh, the written text look like less work to read. I use a lot of hierarchy, pro progressive disclosure, innovative formats, and uh, I hope that helps my audience. Um, I also started seeing the amazing power of combining both my intuitive practices and my work. I don't actually expect everyone to be on board with this. So even if the woo-woo uh, isn't for you, I hope you'll still find some value in the other aspects of what I say next. Awesome. That's great. Um, you know, I I love your work at, at Simon Fraser University here in Vancouver um, as a design educator. Um, you know, if, if you're uh, wondering what to listen to next, definitely check out uh, our esteemed guest, John Maeda. He has an honorary doctorate from SFU and um, kind of builds on that connection um, that is starting to exist throughout the podcast. So, um, yeah. Um, number four, what does your future look like? Yeah, so right now I'm developing some educational materials, and I'm also working on a book on accessible style and writing uh, with principal author Cheryl Stevens. She's the plain language wizard and one of my mentors. Uh, I actually recently did some work on a mental health and awareness campaign fundraising for the BC Epilepsy Society, and I would love to do more projects like that. Right now I'm working on ad campaigns for to, for uh, gathering support for people living with disabilities, Alzheimer's and other dementias, as well as workplace related injuries. I am super passionate about creating materials that more people can access. Um, I've also made some cool partnerships with ad agencies and marketing companies. Uh, they're giving me the, lar the support of a larger team um, and the infrastructure to take uh, on more complex projects. And hey, Thomas, I think we're going to try to get a um, a panel talk together. Yes, yes, we're looking into that for sure. Yeah. So that'll be coming up. And I'm also continuing a lot of intuitive work and study, uh, working with Luca Halex, Diane Lund, and Katherine Johnson. They also work and play in this space. Uh, I actually have a little intuitive identity design agency called Image Image. Uh, spelt the word image repeated twice and that's targeted toward organizations who are open to non-traditional design processes but I also continue to offer the mainstream design services for corporate clients great um, and I'm excited for number five because you started with a land acknowledgement so the question is let's talk about location how does the notion of place play into what you do oh thank you uh, I actually took this one in a little bit of a different direction. The place I'm talking about is not so much a physical location, but like the idea of feeling out of place as a person, not being accepted socially for a lot of my youth. And for a long time, I didn't even feel like I fit into the design community. So I talked about this in another podcast interview called The Quickie. Um, but the whole point of this is feeling out of place for most of my life motivates me to bring comfort to others. Nice. And, uh, and yeah, that kind of adds to the diversity and range of, uh, of answers that we have for that question. So that's great. Um, number six, if you had to start from the beginning, what advice would you give your former younger self? Yeah, I wanted to tell my young, I wanted to say, oh, tell your younger self, 
it's okay to be yourself, but I've actually had to be super careful. I didn't come out about my illness, my intuitive work and other parts of my life that makes me different, that make me different. And, uh, you know, until fairly recently, uh, because I was just so scared that I would lose clients and have some issue with my reputation. So uh, I even took my piercings out when I finished Emily Carr. I had a corporate internship and I thought, oh, no one will accept me. So it's been a lot of hiding. So realistically, I want to tell my younger self that I will, uh, hey, you'll eventually get to be yourself and you'll find people who see and understand you. Even crafting this script, I'm thinking, if I say this or that, will people switch off the episode and dismiss me? Am I ready to take that chance? But I am. And I also want to say to my younger self that just recognizing the privileges that I had and that I have earlier really help uh, just keep keeping perspective when I face challenges. Awesome. Um, and moving to Sabin here, what's a day in your life like? Yeah, uh, my typical day, I spend a lot of time writing and sketching and organizing information. It's kind of a joke because, um, you know, I don't need to have the latest best computer anymore that now that I'm not implementing everything that I have a, a team helping me. Uh, they're fantastic. Um, but I haven't done my job if I if I didn't question the brief and test multiple solutions. I mentor students, do volunteer work help other volunteers. And um, I also try to mentor people, uh, other people living with barriers and chronic pain who want to work in this profession and try to chat to them about potential ways that they can be as productive and as productive as possible, still recognizing how they're feeling. Um, I also, I'm pretty obsessed with what I call curating so that's gathering up the best typefaces, words, logos, colors, slogans, puzzles, memes. And uh, I think that it's it's just great to, to be constantly gathering up these resources, not really knowing when I'll use them. Uh, and then I spend a lot of time networking, probably about four hours per week. Uh, it helps me get out of the house and uh, does feed my continuous learning, which I think we're about to talk about. Yes, we are. Number eight, lifelong learning is a popular topic. How do you stay up to date? Yeah, I actually chose this profession because of the potential for lifelong learning and definitely teaching post-secondary helps me stay motivated to keep on top of what's going on. Right now, I'm really diving into the accessibility legislation, more sustainable business practices, uh, new uh, techniques in leadership and business development. Uh, and for those, I often just seek out experts who are willing to talk talk to me I love podcasts so it's a thrill to be on here uh, some of my favorites are missed in history freakonomics and under the influence but I also want to recommend the Africville forever podcast because it helped me learn about another seldom talked about example of devastating systemic racism in Canada and the enduring repercussions of it Great. And just a note for our audience, if you're liking this episode, check out the episode with Meg Stiven, super popular episode, a uh, very recent one. Um, number nine, what tools do you use? Are you a digital nomad? Yeah, I could be a digital nomad, but I've been working from home for over a decade, but I don't think I would be like, I could take a trip with the laptop and get most of my work done, but I need to be around my friends and family support systems, healthcare services. And I'm also part of a 
group of entrepreneurs who give me a tremendous amount of support and motivation. So, hey, Creekside, uh, thanks for everything. Um, I can serve clients all over. I do have some that love the face-to-face -face meetings and brainstorming sessions. One of my favorite tools is actually, I just bought this waterproof notebook, that uh, notepad that, that sticks in the shower with uh, little suction cups. And I can write down cool ideas at all times now, even if I'm in the bath or shower. Awesome. And halfway, number 10, how do you deal oh. with work-life balance? So the first proposal I'm going to make is that we rename this life work balance because having the word work before life suggests that work is more important than life. Um, but I'm sure I'm not the first person to say that. Uh, I take a ton of micro breaks. That's my secret. When I finish a piece of work, uh, go on a short walk, do a chore, have a snack. And then I also need to have pastimes that are totally unrelated to my work to take my mind off them. And my, my recommendation is actually doing something really challenging because you really can't be thinking about work if you're taking a complex dance class. Um, I like to write jokes and go running. And even though I'm pretty terrible about at, at, at these, uh, I still love doing them. That's awesome. You know, I often make reference to uh, a great episode with C-suite designer Rajay Vanderheed, who says that... Um, once he opens that door to the atelier and goes into that space, that's when it becomes work. And then once he leaves that door, then it's into into the life portion. So it's uh, another approach to that one. Oh, I really like that. Yeah. If, if for those of us who have enough space to create that separation, uh, absolutely recommend it. Nice. And number 11, if you weren't doing what you do now, what would you be doing? Yeah, I actually asked my amazing colleague, Mike Catherall, uh, he's with Immersion Creative, and he said that, he said, you know, Flora, you could be a CEO somewhere like NASA with a huge team reporting to you. I'm actually just still basking in the that amazing compliment. Uh, so, yeah. Nice. And 12, what would you not like to do in terms of your career? Yeah, so I am definitely not prepared to go back to an office and work a 40 hour a traditional 40 hour work week I've done it and absolutely saps my creativity anyone with chronic pain knows sitting at a desk uh, it's just just pretty terrible unless you have an awesome ergonomic setup uh, and so I've I, when I was in high school I knew I I wouldn't be in the sort of desk office scenario for long and I'm so fortunate that I've been able to put some flexibility into my day and uh, I need breaks, I need naps. And I also am no longer willing to be shamed for taking time off for medical appointments. Uh, that time period of my life is done. Nice. And 13, we did. So we moved to 14. What's, yeah. your, what's your least favorite word quote or sentence if you have one? Yeah, my least favorite ones are disruptor and thought leader, because I actually think the people who are making that kind of difference don't call themselves that. Uh, so I'd love to come up with a new term to describe true innovators. I love writing and playing with language. So this kind of creative problem solving really sets the little hamster running on the wheel in my head. I'm also studying person-centered language to reduce my use of ableist terms and promote inclusion but while doing that i have to be really open to revising how i communicate and just being open to that feedback 
Great. And 15, if you had to pick one word to describe yourself, what word would you choose? Yeah, I'm choosing passionate. I'm all in with everything I do. I think this is because I've uh, I always know when I need to make the most of the time and energy I have living with a rare illness and realizing I'm going to have bad days uh, on the good ones. I have to get as much uh, going as I can. And 16, what keeps you up at night? <laughs> uh, so on a literal level, chronic insomnia. I'm not a normal sleeper. I usually have a little rest in the afternoon. Or my other thing that keeps me up at night is coming up with creative ideas, even if I'm not interested them even if it's 3 a.m and i'm just writing a christmas carol about e-commerce in the middle of summer uh often when i'm trying to go to sleep i get a flood of creative thoughts and i uh yeah uh it doesn't really help me have a normal sleep schedule so definitely something i'm working on great 17 what's a dream you're chasing yeah i want to make an actual tangible difference for people living with mental health issues but working in creative fields so I'm really inspired by the work that organizations such as NABS, that's the National Advertising Benevolent Society, do. Um, in the meantime, I'm bringing up mental health as they relate to creative professions whenever I have a speaking opportunity. I'm having a ton of people reach out to me after my talks and say they were very relieved. They don't feel alone. Uh, but overall, while I don't know the exact form it will take, I'm looking at creating a fund for mental health supports services. Great, and during the final stretch here, number 18, what inspires you? Yeah, so we talked a little bit about how much I love podcasts. Uh, I get really motivated by movies, interviews, books, and shows about people who have not only overcome adversity, but actually looked at problems and opportunities in a completely different way. So when I watched Moneyball, Girl, Boss, uh, Mind Hunters and the Social Network. I got super jazzed. I was also really interested in Manhunt Unabomber. To be fair, I'm not specifically inspired by Ted Kaczynski, but the methods used by detectives to apply a new field of forensic linguistics and criminal profiling is just a new type of creative problem solving that really inspired me and can help me consider in other ways of thinking. I know these shows are fictionalized, but as someone just who has someone who describes themselves as allergic to generic. Uh, I love examining the process of coming up with a new and effective approach. I'm also inspired by Meg Stiven. Uh, she's my amazing friend. You, you brought her up earlier. She's a service designer. So another reminder to check her out in episode 81. She is absolutely unstoppable. So skilled. I cried while I listened to her interview because she brings so much compassion to unfathomably complex projects. Great, and 19, any advice you'd like to share? Yeah, so it's super easy to become isolated, working from home, pulling late nights at the computer. Um, if you are able to schedule some short self-care breaks during your day, I know it's not easy. You're probably busy caregiving, raising kids, got a second job dealing with other barriers but if you can put some time aside um, and if you have access to mental health support services such as counseling or other types of therapy it will actually help every other aspect of your life get easier and you'll get your work done uh, sooner so it just feeds this sort of amazing self-care machine um, my other 
uh, the paradox is that when people feel like really crushed by their emotions, uh, it can be so much harder to reach out for help. Imagine lying in your bed in pain. The bottle of medicine is just out of reach, but it feels like it's a thousand miles away. So when I'm stuck, I, I try to remind myself that feeling bad about feeling bad just compounds the problem. And I have to say, uh, that's my family doctor, Dr. Brown, who, who, who can't, who, who's been talking to me about that a lot. So what I say to myself is do what you can when you can, and please forgive yourself for the rest. Great. And the big one, number 20, how can our listeners keep tabs on you? What's the call to action for us? Yeah. So please reach out to me, add me on LinkedIn. I'm going to be announcing cool projects, including my educational resources, upcoming book, and the result of some cool cap collaborations that I'm working on. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Flora. You know, it, I don't know if I can call it reconnecting because we didn't know each other, but maybe on some level we did. So reconnecting from 20 years ago, it's been super great. Um, so inspiring to hear you use this episode to support issues, important issues. I think that's maybe the best way to do it. So um, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it, Thomas. Uh, thanks so much for having me and looking forward to collaborating with you more. Awesome. Thanks. If you like today's podcast, I encourage you to have a listen to other episodes. You can easily find them at uniqueways.ca or wherever you find podcasts. You can also find us on social media. And thank you. It's you that makes these great, and it's you who these are for. Stay tuned for more Unique Ways. Mm -hmm.